Greetings and welcome to the Marketing with Mavericks podcast, where I, Shantanu Chandra, your host, pick on the best brains from the marketing realm. Today, we have a very special guest from the chemical industry. Let's welcome Professor Bob Williams, ex-VP of External Affairs Marketing at DuPont in 1991. Currently, he teaches me and my cohort Customer Experience Management at William & Mary. Hello, Professor Williams. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I came to William & Mary about nine years ago from Arizona. I was in Arizona for 20 years. I had retired from DuPont and two companies in San Diego. Taught at Arizona State University and had the opportunity to come here to the College of William & Mary. Thought I would be here one year and it has turned into nine so it's been pretty special. It's a great place. Anything specific you love about the university which kept you here? Well, first of all, I think it's like a little, the whole area geographically is like a little cloister on the East Coast. I mean, you can get to New York City, but you're out of the hubbub of that. Right. And it's the same thing. You're close to Washington, D.C., but you're not in the middle of that. Right. It's a great place to live. It's, it's quiet. Everything's accessible. You're never more than 15 minutes away from anything. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's, it's the college campus that people dream of. This physical beauty of the place is terrific. And then our son, of course, went here for four years, so I, I knew of it. So it wasn't like I was coming to a completely foreign place. Turned out to be a really great experience for both my wife and I. You're a part of the Millimon Mary legacy. Yeah, a little bit. The other way around. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm sure much to their chagrin, but to my enjoyment, I must say. <laughs> you up and you are an owner of the company? I started a company in Phoenix called the Spur Group. And the way I came to that the name for it is literally uh, I'd been thinking about it and it suddenly struck me that if I did things right in terms of consulting and helping companies grow, mm-hmm. I would be spurring their growth. So I thought, well, I'll just play off of that and use the words. So I called it the Spur Group. Also fit with being in the West like a boot spur. And the thought was that... Uh, teaching high-tech companies in both B2B as well as in the B2C space how to market their products. That came right out of my DuPont background, I think, uh, where I spent a great deal of time with a lot of engineers and physicists and, and chemies, uh, all very technically trained, very in- innovative about new technologies. I mean, that was really what made DuPont go back in those days. Okay but always challenged about how to make money doing it. How, how do we build customers for all this technology? And I, that was kind of the space that I thought I could find. So I joined DuPont and, uh, and thought, well, uh, I learned that for 26 years. Now when I start my company in Phoenix, the Spur Group, what I'll try to do is look for companies where I might be able to use that. And I found a few. I worked for a startup called Alpha Gene, which was a joint venture between Harvard Medical School and George Sheely, who was the CEO and MD himself, uh, Alpha Gene. And uh, we were trying to decode the human genome. And, of course, we lost that race to Craig Ventner, who beat us. But that's all right. It was a great experience. But I got to use some of my marketing and my strategy background on that. And then I did some work for some companies in the uh, Phoenix area, Intel and uh, Allied Signal, and actually consulted with the University of Phoenix a bit. As I reflect on that, it might be one of the reasons that I transitioned into Arizona State University. When I, when I came 
from my last company, which was a healthcare company in San Diego, to live in Arizona, I all all I wanted to really do was play golf. Okay. Uh, and I I did that. I did that seem seemingly as I look back on it incessantly. It was five days a week, eight hours a day, and I only could do that for about four months before I suddenly realized that I needed something that was a little more stimulating than that. So I went to Arizona State University and found the person that uh, literally found him uh, in the right office building, because that's a big school. It's got 70,000-plus students. Found uh, this gentleman that was the director of marketing there and introduced myself, and 90 minutes later started an eight-year career of teaching at Arizona State. You just never know. Just show up, I guess. So along those lines, what was that one thing which pulled you towards marketing? I think as a, that was a great question, probably was the most motivating thing about it, was I came to the realization that without it, none of the other functions in business matter. You have to have customers. All the things that we study, all the things that we teach in business school are dependent on being able to retain and attract customers, and that's, and that's what marketing does. Is it teaches you how to do that, how to think that way. And so I was intrigued by that. I also like the idea of being able to persuade people from one point of view to another. All those puzzle parts started to come together, and I said if I looked at all the disciplines in a business school that I would have some energy for, marketing would probably be the first one. That was right after your graduation? I started to get the evolution of that, I think, uh, as I graduated from undergraduate, yes. And then when I went to graduate school, I met some people that were actually in the business world that did this kind of thing, and I became intrigued by that. And uh, so I think it culminated when I declared my major in graduate school as being marketing. What is the most maverick task you have seen someone perform? Well, I'll tell you that to answer that question, I'd have to think about what was the most challenging thing in marketing that I did. And I, I guess if I reflect on that, back in my time at DuPont, when Dick Heckert, who was the CEO of DuPont at that time, and DuPont was a, really an innovation house. We created a lot of products, Nylon, Dacron, Lycra, Kevlar, the list just goes on, Teflon. And we did that because we were second only to the federal government in terms of the amount of money that we spent on research and development. So whenever we were challenged in the market, products started moving down their life cycle and started to lose some of their appeal because of uh, substitutes being available over time, we would just reach on our shelf in R&D and pull off another invention, mm-hmm. which was usually patent protected, which had high barriers to entry by just legal protection, and we would market it and make you know very, uh, very good profit. But then Dick Heckert, who himself was a wonderful person and a very smart man, and I had the opportunity to talk. And he made a very interesting statement. He said, you know, we uh, wrote the book on R&D, but now everyone has read it. And what we have to learn how to do is market our products now. And we have a population of primarily technologically driven people who don't know very much about marketing. So the challenge, or what was then for DuPont a maverick task, as you call it, was to take all these engineers as product managers and business leaders within the company and train them in marketing. So myself and several other people got together and put a course together that was five days in length, about 10 hours a day, 
and went to a convention center called Eagle Lodge in outside of Philadelphia. And we, over time, time being like five or six years, trained thousands of DuPont engineers and chemists in how to market and how to think about whether or not these inventions they were coming up were marketable. That was a challenge, and, and it was something that had not been done before at DuPont. And it was all Dick Heckert coming up with this thought that we better learn how to sell and market our products. At that point, I guess, no other company would have thought of doing that either. No, and it was expensive because you took those people out of their businesses right. for five days at a time, and we were talking product managers and directors, mm -hmm. in some cases VPs, that would come and learn how this all worked, or at least get a dip into how it could be, how you could think about your business differently and create differential advantage. And we spent some, a lot of time talking about that, and it was pretty intense. We put them through case studies. We put them through actual development of products within the company and how they had been successfully marketed. Broke them off into teams. It was like a, a compressed graduate school in five days, ten hours a day. And, and you know, your question, which was really interesting to me, uh, made me reflect on this part of my life and what got me into marketing, which is your first question, because it was about teaching. I spent a lot of time teaching and also learning from the audiences at those Eagle Lodge sessions, and I loved it. I just thought it was great. I loved, I loved learning. I loved the idea that they seemed to be excited about learning about marketing, and I was dedicated to the idea that without customers, you don't really have a business. And all these things, finance and accounting and investment portfolios, all the seed corn for that comes from the customer mix. But was there anything specific which... Uh, we learned a really great lesson about organizations that captured within organizations can be expertise that never talk to one another because we tend to uh, put our structures together division or department by department, and they don't interface very often. But when we took the fluoropolymer division and put it together with the fabrics division and said, come up with something that resists stain, that's oversimplification, granted. But when we did that, the result was a very profitable product that came out of the company itself. Two really strong fixed cost base created a third profitable base. Okay. So there's a main effort and then there's a supporting effort. And of course, that bred the marketing thought process. And so when we went into the auto refinish business now, we hired people like Jeff Gordon to represent us in NASCAR. Uh, we did a lot of automotive refinishing out of our paint division. And, we, and Jeff Gordon, uh, who was a pretty famous stock car racer at that time, was a man that uh, kind of carried the torch for DuPont in the refinishing business. And one thing just led to another thing, which led to another thing. Everybody wanted to get on this yep. success board. So switching gears, Professor, where do you see the future of marketing heading? That's a great question. I think we're headed in a direction where almost everything is going to have to be tech. Our product life cycles are shrinking. Nothing lasts very long in terms of competitive advantage anymore because everybody knows everything at pretty much the same time because the smartphone just allows you with your thumbs to transfer information seamlessly. Right. I think the future is going to be a competitive advantage that's based on data. I think artificial intelligence, for example, is going to be even bigger than it already is. Now it's a buzzword, but the application of it to marketing thought is going to be huge. There's a, there's a way to think about that that I learned actually here at William & Mary from a great professor by the name of Aaron Cole, who is an expert on uh, 
artificial intelligence. He spoke to my classes on strategy, and he called what I'm talking about on the future of marketing the virtuous cycle. So for your listeners, if they would visualize a clock face, and at the 12 o'clock point, put the word data. At the 3 o'clock point, put the word customer. Mm -hmm. Then at the 6 o'clock point, put data again, because you just learned from those customers that were at the 3 o'clock point. And then look at the 9 o'clock point and use the word customers again. These will be the existing customers that were there at 3 o'clock, expanding their base, and new customers that because you've changed your strategy based on that data that will come to you, and then you're back to the 12 o'clock, which is data again. And it just keeps cycling clockwise, and with each cycle, more data, more information, more competitive advantage, and AI starts to feed on itself because it is a constant library of information coming to people from the marketplace, which affects the marketing mix. And I see it in other ways that we teach students now. Everybody always parrots back what's been true forever about the four Ps. Well, I think there are five now. If you you took that same pie and you put it into four quadrants that were equal in size, you would have product, price, place, and promotion, which are the standard things we always talked about. But around that, is a whole band that I call participation, and that's social media. Because you're going to get a lot more interactivity from customers. Products are going to succeed very quickly, or they're going to fail very quickly. And there are advantages, actually, to both. I I limit my capital expenditures if I have a bad idea, because I'm getting the feedback faster, and I can get out of that business uh, faster and minimize my loss. Or if, in fact, I have hit something that's really powerful, I'm going to see uh, my ability to generate profits happen much quicker now because it's going to go viral. So, But it's all going to be based on where marketing is going, and I think it's data and it's customer interaction and feedback, which is going to change the strategy base fantastically. So what are the tools you think upcoming marketers should study to realize the ever-evolving marketing universe? I think uh, a couple things. One is, of course, I think everybody ought to start getting really com- comfortable. I don't mean you don't have to be an expert in artificial intelligence, but this whole idea of cognitive learning is going to have to be something that I think anybody that's going into marketing is going to have to have an understanding about. You see it with digital marketing now. Uh, there's a whole reinvention of the communications aspect of marketing that's ch- taking place. Mm-hmm. Advertising agencies are totally changing their character. Their media is is just being blown up and and reconstructed now because of things like digital. So an understanding of digital and artificial intelligence is going to be critical for the marketers in the future. So I think you should spend some time thinking about that. I think the other thing that would be really valuable is to realize that competitive advantage uh, is a shortened cycle. That... Uh, you're going to have to create differential advantage in a variety of ways, not in a singular way. And it won't be just by inventing a new product. It might be inventing a new business model uh, for existing product. If you think about companies like Amazon, for example, and and what did they really invent? We've had books forever. Mm -hmm. We've had UPS and FedEx for a long time. We've had uh, GPS uh, for some time now. But 
So what I think Jeff Bezos brilliantly did was create a new business model. He took all those things, put them together so they leveraged off one another, and then, as we can all see, he's uh, slowly but surely inventing almost every retail business you can think about. So uh, this whole idea of thinking about business models and how you deliver value would be the third thing. Uh, am I looking at what I have to compete against, and do I have a way of optimizing my business model? So if you got data and artificial intelligence, you could use that to leverage off things like business models that would essentially give you the differential advantage. And is there any book you're reading right now? Well, yeah, actually, Thanks for Being Late by Thomas Friedman. I thought that was an excellent yeah. book um, because it talks a lot about the, uh, about the future. I have uh, an interest in a, a book called 21 Things You Need to Know for the 21st Century which is kind of an interesting book, and I can't remember the name of the author, but it is an Indian author, I know that, and he's, okay. he's written some great books on the uh, future. I'm going to spend some time with Doris Kearns Goodwin book uh, over the holidays now uh, on leadership, because I think one of the things people that have an aspiration to lead a business now, given this whole change in the marketing area, has to be able to do is they have to learn how to be agile and how to handle uncertainty which is what that book is a lot is about, how you lead an organization through uncertain times and make sense of it. So those are books that I've kind of focused on here in the near term. Thanks a lot for uh, being here, giving us your time, Professor. Thank you very much for the opportunity to talk to you. I found it stimulating and, and interesting, and uh, I wish all your listeners the best. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye.